1: Hey, PPC friends. Yes, it's another episode of PPC Rockstars. And uh, this week, uh, I'm privileged to have with us Susan Waldies, president of 5 Mill, a digital agency. uh, You've probably seen Susan's articles on Search Engine Land, etc. And I've been dying to get her on the show because uh, she's a fountain of knowledge about PPC, and I wanted to share that with you. So, Susan, welcome. Thanks so much, David. You're welcome. You have written a couple of articles recently that have caught my eye. Why don't we start with the most controversial one, which is titled, Because My Crystal Ball is Broken, Reasons Why That We Need to Bring Broad Match Back. So... Yes. I, I'm sorry to, to inform you that I'm on the other side of that controversy, but um, convince me and our listeners why we should use Broadmatch.
2: Absolutely. Um, so I respect your opinion on the other side of the controversy. Um, obviously, this is an advertiser-dependent decision, um, and Broadmatch is not going to work for every advertiser. But after years of many, many advertisers... Um, implementing best practices in their accounts and moving to more and more exact phrase and broad match modified. Um, what I'm seeing in a lot of advertiser accounts uh, is that the lack of broad match is actually uh, hampering their total conversion opportunities. Um, and there's a lot of reasons. Name. The, the biggest one being that you just kind of can't predict the weird ways that people are going to search for things. And by utilizing broad match uh, carefully, uh, obviously using lots of negative keywords to help control it and keeping your bids uh, typically lower on your broad match keywords than you would on your more exact match keywords. Using broad match can be a real fountain of opportunity uh, in terms of increasing your conversion volume and also discovering uh, new opportunities in the account that you can add back in as as exact match or phrase match.
1: Okay, so let's take a hypothetical situation. Let's say that um, my ad group contains keywords that are a mixture of uh, modified broad match and exact match. Uh, Are you saying that with the addition of broad match keywords, I'll get more conversions and if I control the price uh, add or below my target CPA?
2: Yes, yeah, so that's what I'm seeing in a lot of advertiser accounts, and there are there are exceptions. Um, one exception is if you uh, are in, for instance, a B two B space. Um, Google's not very good at differentiating B two B keywords from kind of B two C keywords. So sometimes utilizing broad match in those cases can unfortunately match you to things on the wrong side of that B2C uh, queries when you intend B2B. Uh, so you have to take it carefully, um, but in, in many, many cases, we find that there is quite a bit of incremental conversion opportunity um, in you know, misspellings, um, synonyms that you may not have discovered in your keyword research, um, and increasingly sort of these longer tail keywords that are really being um, driven by mobile and voice search behavior that's quite different than the desktop uh, queries and behavior that we've kind of reacted to over over the last several several years.
1: I'm still a little skeptical um, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that using modified broad match uh, can get a lot of those long-tail search queries um, because of the fact that Google still matches uh, some synonyms of the modified broad match keywords. Um, And I've noticed that modified broad match keywords uh, don't match to, I think I'm contradicting myself, self a little bit uh, irrelevant search terms the way broad match does um, second thing that uh makes me skeptical is that that uh, i've been doing a lot of audits lately and, and uh routinely i've seen uh the use of broad match keywords correspond to a much higher uh cpa than is than is um acceptable and um the well, last thing is that uh, I like to save time and combing through search query reports to uh, find the the negatives that necessarily must be added when you use broad matched keywords uh, is a real time consumer. So, how do you respond to that?
2: <laughs> totally <laughs> understood. So, if you are working in an account where you know you have a fixed budget and you're getting all the conversion volume you want within that budget. Um, you know, you definitely don't need to add broad match. Um, although it's possible that by adding broad match, you can actually bring your CPA down. Um, the The use case for most people when you kind of want to explore this area is going to be when you're pushing growth and you feel like you've, you know, hit some kind of wall with the, um, the opportunities that you're getting in your more stringently matched keywords. Um, so definitely when you add broad match, it does take some time to negate those queries, um, you know, that are coming through that don't don't fit with your products. Um, luckily, we can see those now in, you know, not quite real time, but within the first day um, rather than the old two-day delay that we used to have. Um, so we can really quickly get on top of that and, and start negating things. Um, what I've seen, though, and an example I used in um, the article is that there are just these keywords that you're not going to kind of discover. So I used an example of a women's dress retailer. And, you know, this is a a true account that I worked on. Um, They literally only sold dresses, um, no other apparel items. um, And in every keyword, the word dress was broad match modified. So um, dress or dresses. So we were... Um, you know, getting uh, plenty of traffic, well, this account was quite large, um, but when we added in a true broad match, we started matching to these kind of more long tail queries that were kind of implicitly um, had the intent to purchase a dress, but did not c- contain the word dress, and it actually Boosted uh, the conversion volume on that account by thirty percent right away, and it, it did take some you know some management of getting our bids right and adding the negatives that we needed to, but it was just a huge conversion boost right away.
1: Gotcha. Well, I just realized that there's another good reason to use broad match, and that is on Bing ads. Um, <clears throat> frequently, we get more. Um, volume traffic volume out of Bing ads and uh, there just doesn't seem to be any way to spend more money to uh, to get those low-cost CPAs that uh, you typically see in Bing ads. So with kind of the prudent addition of broad match and checking search query reports frequently, uh, that would, that could be a really good way to get more volume out of Bing.
2: Absolutely. So, and I
1: think... Go oh. ahead. Go ahead.
2: Uh, the, what I think is really interesting is um, kind of the introduction of shopping campaigns over the last couple years. Um, it provides a really good uh, sort of example, in my opinion, of what happens when you do add broad match because uh, the kind of shopping campaign format uh, inherently gets away from match types at all. You cannot control um, exactly the queries that are showing uh, within those campaign types. And, you know, many, many advertisers have seen huge success with this. Obviously, the ad unit is different. Um, You know, you're getting that picture, and and that does contribute um, to the success advertisers see. But another aspect of kind of the incremental volume that advertisers are seeing is that they're being matched to these terms that, you know, were not in their account otherwise. um, And maybe weird terms that only are getting one or two impressions a month on Google um, or terms you hadn't thought of. Um, but it's really opening up a new world of queries um, that are quite successful. So, you know, even if you're not in the e-commerce space, um, sort of acknowledging that there are all these queries that, you know, in e-commerce are being matched to um, shopping campaigns in any industry, you can kind of take advantage of that stuff in a similar way by utilizing Broadmatch.
1: Gotcha. Hey, speaking of uh, impressions – We have a group of sponsors that uh, are dying to make an impression on our audience. So, Susan, please stay with us, and audience, don't go away. PPC Rockstars. We'll be back
0: after we click through our sponsors. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to for Moby Mantis.
3: Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates.
0: The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host,
1: David Zatella, And we are back with Susan Waldies talking about uh, various things that uh, Susan has written about uh, in her prolific uh, output of excellent PPC stuff. And we just talked about Broadmatch. Susan convinced me to try it. Uh, i was a <laughs> big big skeptic but i'm i'm a, i've seen the light uh, so let's move on to the next controversy which uh, in which I'm in complete agreement with susan which is uh, obsession with quality score so uh, why are people obsessed with quality score and, and what should they do about it
2: Oh, I think people are obsessed with quality score for a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of it that goes into human psychology, really. Uh, people really like feeling like they're getting the best price, getting a discount, um, kind of gaming a system. Um, and quality score really taps into those areas of the, the human brain, I think, um, uh, within search marketers. Um, you know, so people kind of like playing that game, trying to get the better quality score and feeling like they're uh getting some kind of special discount um, but you know to me it's it's not an important metric at all um, you kind of have to step back and and think about why are we doing this why are we marketing we're doing it to earn profit um, typically and you know there there might be a kind of lot of nuances in how we're getting there um, and quality score you know does not it all reflects um, how we're doing in terms of earning profit with a channel. Um, it's pretty much like asking Google, "Am I am I pretty?" You know, and they, they might think <laughs> you're really pretty, and they might right. think you're not so pretty. But regardless, um, you can still be massively successful. Um, so, you know, optimizing to the quality score is kind of using the wrong the wrong metrics. Um, you should be optimizing towards. of success and profitability within your account.
1: Well, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think there uh, I've run into many advertisers that um, uh, pay very close attention to quality score and uh, don't pay enough attention to things like ad quality uh, that absolutely contributes to quality score. Um, Furthermore, uh, I run into advertisers that Um, really uh, think that the landing page quality is very important to quality score. Um, So help our audience understand uh, the real correspondence between landing page quality and quality score.
2: Yeah, so the landing page, um, you know, certainly does have something to do with the sort of complex equation that is quality score. Um, But quality score is Google's way of helping make sure they make as much money as possible and giving some layer of visibility um, about that to advertisers. Um, So, you know, one thing that people often forget in the CPC marketplace is that the sort of unit of inventory that Google is selling is actually impressions, Um, and Google's sort of trying to figure out how to get um, as much money as possible for each impression that they, they serve, which would be a user making a search. Um, and so, obviously, click-through rate is, is really the biggest factor that determines how much um, money they can make, mm-hmm. um, and obviously the bid as well. So, you know, looking at uh, if your click-through rate is, you know, double another advertiser, Um, Google can make as much money on an impression uh, if your bid is half that advertiser, right? You kind of equal out. Um, And, you know, Google as a business also surely wants to provide uh, users a good user experience so they continue to use uh, Google Search. Um, And so there are, I think, some nuances um, that impact quality score in a smaller way uh, that are about kind of the, the overall user experience and landing pages and um, that sort of thing, but the biggest factor, um, you know, that assists Google in, in earning as much as they can per uh, impression or unit of inventory that they're selling, is, is going to be click through rate, um, and landing pages, you know, nominally nominally important if at all.
1: Right. In fact, um, one of our frequent guests, uh, Frederic Vallès, who used to be uh, the Google AdWords evangelist for for many years. Uh, has told me several times that uh, the quality of the landing page is mainly determined by uh, things like load time and uh, the presence of privacy policy links at the bottom of the page mm-hmm. and, and and not so much relevance to the keyword and the ad copy. And uh, so it's, it's a very minor uh, portion of quality score And it can only hurt. It can't help. In other words, um, the quality score can go down if the user experience on the landing page is bad. But having a great landing page in terms of uh, things like load time and uh, presence or absence of links uh, doesn't ensure a better quality score. The thing that improves the quality score, as you've been saying, is overwhelmingly click-through rate.
2: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, when you factor that in, there's kind of lots of reasons that you might want a lower click-through rate. Um, And so for many balances uh, or many businesses, that balance of higher quality score, um, lower click-through rate, the economics actually work better for many businesses to have a lower click-through rate, a lower um, quality score. Uh, and just kind of still use that environment to earn money make lots of profit from the account. Um, A good example, uh, again, is is B2B, where on some queries you can't really separate uh, B2B intent from consumer intent. Um, So if somebody is searching for security software, for instance, um, and you're selling it only at an enterprise level, the best way to ensure that you're not paying for unqualified people is to do a bit of exclusion via your ad text and say, you know, we only sell enterprise-level security software. Um, and obviously, you're you're going to get a lower click-through rate. Um, you may be paying a little bit more for a click because of that. Um, but by not paying for a whole bunch of clicks that you know, are unqualified and not interested in your product, um, you actually come out with a better cost per acquisition.
1: Absolutely. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary to use the ad text to qualify visitors. Okay, well, um, let's move on to the third topic we wanted to cover. And um, you've written several articles uh, that have educated me and lots of other people about um, remarketing lists for search ads. So what are some of your – well, first of all, describe RLSAs campaigns, and then uh, uh, fill us in with a couple of your tips about how to best use them.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, RLSA is a remarketing lists for search audiences. Um, so, this is basically the same people that are in your normal remarketing uh, audiences that you would target with um, GDN-based remarketing campaigns, um, but you're applying them to search ad groups. So, people that have visited your site or or whatever area of your site you define um, and now are searching on Google Um, and you can kind of use these to do a number of things, uh, target specific groups of people, um, expand the keywords that you're advertising on, uh, offer different messaging um, and and really there's just a myriad of ways depending on your goals that you can use these. Um, a couple of my top tips that are applicable to a whole lot of advertisers um, are if you are in any type of lead gen, to use RLSA to negate people who have recently converted. Um, so typically, if you're, you know, say, selling an insurance product um, and somebody has converted within the last couple of days, they're being nurtured by your sales team and you don't really want to pay for that lead again. Um, especially certain industries where CPCs can be, you know, $20, 30 $40, um, using RLSA to negate people um, can actually cut about 20% of uh, costs that are just, um, you know, pure duplication and bloat. Um, another great, tip great on exam- the. Oh, say- sorry, say again? Great example.
1: Great um- example. You know, twenty percent savings on CPA can be really significant for C, for B two B clients.
2: Absolutely, um, on the e hey, commerce side. Oh, go ahead.
1: Um, we have to take another break for uh, messages from our sponsors. So we'll pick this up when uh, after the break. And listeners, don't go away. We'll be back after we click through our sponsors.
2: Hey, this is Danny Sullivan.
3: As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at Mach speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com.
0: The pursuit of PPC continues. Welcome back
1: to PPC Rockstars. Here's your host, David Zatella. and we are back in the home stretch with Susan Waldis and uh, she's giving us her favorite RLSA tips. So, uh, w- what else, Susan?
2: Yeah, on the on the e-commerce side, um, RLSA can be really awesome at actually helping. Drive new user acquisitions. This is a, a use case that um, I don't see a whole lot of people using. Um, so, if you're uh, looking for new customers and you kind of know that the lifetime value of that customer might be higher than that first uh, purchase, um, and people typically purchase from you a couple times in a, you know in a year or so, um, you can actually again use RLSA to exclude your current customer list. Um, and then target only people who are going to be new users. And uh, for a lot of businesses when you do that, where you know with your typical search ads, you might be driving some profitability um, on every click and, and every order. Um, when you're driving only new user uh, acquisitions, you might be willing to break even there, um, knowing that the profit's going to come in their subsequent orders if you um, have a, a strong lifetime value.
1: Nice. Very nice. Um, what else? Um,
2: what I wrote about most recently, uh, in terms of RLSA is, is the opportunity to really expand your keyword set. Um, so you know something about people who have come to your site or come to a certain area of your site, um, that they're interested in the products you're offering. Um, so, you know, for instance, if you're a furniture, uh, retailer, uh, you, often might not be able to afford to advertise on those really high level category terms, uh, chair, you know, it's very hard to know what somebody's uh, looking for when they just say chair. Um, but if you're looking at somebody who's recently uh, been to the dining chair area of your site, for instance, uh, you know that they're in market for dining chairs. So when they, you know, search for chair, uh, it's an opportunity to pull that person back in, um, and so I've I've seen great success recently, uh not just expanding the keyword sets, but actually using dynamic search ads uh layered with RLFA. Um and, and you just get this great reach. You're only targeting people who've been to the areas of your site that you um you know, that you should tell Google to, Um, and then you're only targeting, again, uh, biodynamic search ads, areas of your site that you want these people to go to again. Um, And so you can just really have amazing reach at pulling people back in when they are indicating that they're in market for your products by searching again.
1: Perfect. Hey, we are close to running out of time, and I wanted to uh, get from you for our listeners Uh, the names of the publications that you write for?
2: I write for uh, Search Engine Land um, and SEM Post uh, regularly. I have columns at both, um, and then I pop up other places sometimes. (laughs) But those are the two um, where you can definitely find me.
1: And and your columns are what, uh, biweekly, monthly? Monthly. Monthly, okay. So we have some more to look forward to and uh, keep running that good stuff and we'll have you on the show again.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much, David.
1: And um you frequently speak at conferences as well, right?
2: Yep. Mhm. Uh
1: with any any in the hopper or are we waiting till for the next uh conference season?
2: Um I actually don't have anything scheduled right now.
1: Um
2: but I typically uh, speak at lots of SMXs um, uh-huh. and other stuff as well, but nothing nothing scheduled right now.
1: Gotcha. Well, it's a little early for uh, SMX East to pick speakers, but I'm sure you'll be there, and uh, I plan to be there as well. So we'll see each other there. Awesome. Maybe on the, on the uh, PPC mechanics panel again.
2: Oh, yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will have you on again. I appreciate your your uh, sharing so many uh, meaty tips with us, and uh, good luck.
2: Thanks, David. Have a great day.
1: You too, and listeners. Thank you for t- tuning in again to PPC Rockstars. We'll be, be uh, featuring another great uh, person to interview next week. So come on back here on PPC Rockstars.